You are listening to episode 196 of This is Type 1. Today, we're talking about six common issues for newly diagnosed type 1 diabetics and how to handle them. This is by no means an exhaustive list, but rather a place to start if you've been newly diagnosed or know someone who has been newly diagnosed. The first issue is having shock, confusion, and emotional overwhelm at the diagnosis. And this is probably going to happen no matter where you are, but just knowing ahead of time that this is kind of an issue that you'll have to deal with is kind of a good place to start. So how to handle it? First off, breathe. I know a lot of people will just say breathing is the end-all be-all solution to stress management, and it isn't, but it's still a really good piece of advice. And every time you take a deep breath in a stressful moment, it's telling your brain that you're safe. Because when you are actually in a life or death situation, taking a deep breath is like the last thing that your brain wants to do because it would take attention away from getting away from the danger. But if you can just take a moment to breathe, it will help calm your brain down. The next tip is to take it one step at a time. You are probably going to get a lot of information thrown at you and you'll just want to take it one thing at a time. The instant you start thinking about everything you have to learn and everything you have to absorb and remember, that's when you're going to be overwhelmed. So if you can scale it back and just focus on what's the next thing you need to do, that can really help. And then reach out to a friend. Uh, reach out to the community, especially the diabetes community for immediate support. Sometimes you just need someone who understands what you're going through. Friends and family are great, but not often the same as someone who is already living with this. So if you don't know any in-person type 1 diabetics, you can always reach out to the type 1 diabetes community to find someone just to say you need help because people who have lived through this are the best people to talk to you when you are newly diagnosed. All right. So I've got a couple of tips to handle this because I had to think about it for a friend of mine who might be diabetic, but we're figuring that out as we go. Think of things that make you feel grounded. So this was something my mom taught me when I was younger. Like the sky is blue, the grass is green. Literally think of things that are so obvious that help you stay calm or help you like feel grounded or this is my friend. Literally say that to yourself in your head. It really helps you feel present and in the moment, like I see the wall, the wall is white. Like just doing stuff like that really does help even if you're feeling really overwhelmed, it's just something that's constant that's there that you can reflect back on. Something that I tried to do a lot of was remember that not everything changes when you're diabetic. A lot does, and I will not deny that, but there's a lot that stays the same. Your job hasn't changed. You have the probably the same coworkers that you did the day before you were diagnosed versus the day after you were diagnosed. You work in the same office. So stuff like that where it's like, it will stay consistent. It might change a little bit, but those things stay consistent with what they are. Though these things also don't have to be materialistic. Like I still love my mom. My mom still loves me. Something like that to where you just remind yourself, like these are the consistencies that will not change, even though I have diabetes. Okay, the second issue is not enough resources provided by the diagnosing physician and or your questions aren't answered. So I would say the first way to handle this is to just start looking for educational resources. That can be podcasts like this one, like the Juicebox podcast, 
There's a bunch of other type 1 diabetes podcasts out there. All you have to do is search on Google. I know plenty of you have found this podcast just by searching on Google. So that is one really great way to find any type of educational resource. And that also goes for blogs and books. We will list our favorites in the show notes for you. So if you wanted to just take a look down there, you can uh, see which ones we recommend. Another place to find support and getting your questions answered and getting resources are communities. And that can be our community, which is the Half Dead Pancreas Club. It can be Beyond Type 1. JDRF also has a huge, huge network of resources and people you can talk to. So never discount those big foundations like that because they can honestly be great places to both find community and find plenty of resources. Another tip that I don't hear mentioned a lot is being tenacious about asking questions. Sometimes you will probably go to the doctor's office with a list of questions and not all of those questions are answered. But in my opinion, you are paying for that doctor's appointment and you are paying for the time you are spending there. So if you don't leave with the answers that you came there looking for, then something has to change. One really easy way to make those question and answer sessions go faster is to record those doctor visits on audio. Obviously ask for permission ahead of time, but if you can record those doctor visits, it means you're not preoccupied with taking notes. And that means you are less likely to forget something or miss something that the the doctor said. It also lets you be more present with the conversation. So if the doctor says something and you have a question in the moment from that piece of information that he or she said, then you can follow that train of thought And then come back to the list that you have instead of trying to be frantically writing down all the answers that they say. Facebook groups are always a good option, though not all of them are great. Colleen will probably mention this later in a different section of the podcast today. But online resources too, like Instagram has some really funny memes in between two lines. Always a great page to follow if you want to pick me up. Though it's not a great resource for like educational stuff, they're really funny. So you can definitely go on there. One thing that I do still is read the instruction manuals of my new equipment. So that could be my new pump, my new CGM, new needles, something like that to where I understand how it works, why it works the way it does, and how I can best use it according to the manufacturer. And then from there, I can modify how it best fits into my life. Unfortunately, those instruction manuals probably won't tell you how to unstick the Dexcom G6 if it gets stuck on the inserted part. So I I swear, the first time that I heard heard about this happening, it's like it just sits on your arm, like it won't come off. The first time I heard about this happening, like no way, because it hadn't happened to me before. And then the very next sensor, it happened to me. And the trick that I learned from the community just by scrolling through posts was to whack it with a wooden spoon or whack it with something like that you can <laughs> whack it with. And I swear to you, it worked. <laughs> like, oh I whacked this thing and it, it it retracted and it came right off. But that's not something you'd find in the manual. No, I would not think to... Wow, that's interesting. Did you just sit there with it on your arm, just hanging off like that? It stuck there and I'm like, I just read about this. And so I didn't really sit there for long. I just got up and grabbed something and whacked it and it came off. <laughs> I like that. Okay, that's good to know. And then finding a support group or even camps, diabetic camps, will always recommend those because those can really help. And there's people with actual world experience who can help you. And I am going to my first adult type 1 diabetes camp this year, which I am super excited about. 
but we can talk about that later. (laughs) The third issue is worry that you won't be able to do the things that you did before or worry about having to give up certain things. So how I respond to this is that the only thing that you cannot do as a person with type 1 diabetes, at least in the United States, this might be different for another country, is join the military. That's literally it. One of my friend's daughter, she was uh, recently diagnosed. And when she asked if she'd have to give anything up, like if there was anything she now wouldn't be able or allowed to do, I said, like, not unless you wanted to join the armed forces. Otherwise, you can literally do everything that you already did or everything that you want to do even before the diagnosis. It just takes a little bit extra planning and probably some more time to figure it out. It may be that you do end up giving up some things. That could be food or types of exercise or certain habits, and especially bad habits. We've heard a lot of people with type 1 diabetes tell us that they actually got healthier after their diagnosis because it helped them tap into their bodies more and actually understand how they felt while eating or doing certain things. So while you won't technically have to give anything up, you might choose to. And that's a big difference. So for my diagnosis, they I was eight as a reminder. So I was definitely still a kid who my parents fed, fed me and stuff like that. So when my parents were told, these are the things you have to give, you have to give them up. That lasted about a month. And then I fo- put my foot down as an angry eight-year-old who wanted birthday cake a month after their diagnosis and said, no, this isn't happening anymore. So after that, we had to sit down with my doctors and I told them, this is not okay. I was a very angry eight-year-old at that point. I really was not happy with them. But after saying that I wasn't giving up anything I didn't want to give up, I'm still going to be a child and everything like that, they were like, okay, cool. And they were very supportive about it. But definitely as somebody who's not very educated in the realities of diabetes and somebody who's educated in the science of diabetes have two very different viewpoints. I have a comment about being an angry eight-year-old. Yeah. I think that is a really good reason why the teplizumab drug, which the FDA just approved for delaying type 1 onset, is so critical. Mm -hmm. Because if you had had that and you were able to delay that diagnosis to your maybe early teen years, you would have had a much longer period of childhood where you would have been able to enjoy those things and not have to worry about the insulin pump and things like that. So for all the parents out there who are listening who might have kids who are displaying symptoms or are at risk because other family members have it, definitely check out Enable Biosciences to get your kid tested. And if they do display the markers to have them on teplizumab, because while we're not medical advice, that would be a really great option to help delay that onset to help them prolong their childhoods. Yeah. And it's not necessarily that you had to like, I had to give up childhood. It's just that I didn't want to give up aspects of being a child, like eating birthday cake with my friends or having cupcakes when somebody's birthday was, you know, happening in class. Like, it didn't necessarily mean I had to give up anything, but for that one month, I did have to give up stuff and then we figured it out. So I made sure that I gave up anything that I wanted to, but it was on my own terms. And that's still the way it is today. Like my doctors, God bless their souls. <laughs> Rugby is not their first option for one of the sports that I play. <laughs> so definitely having a conversation of like, this is what I do. This is how we're making it work. And we are going to make it work rather than, oh, I have to give it up. So definitely talking to your physicians about like, this is not changing, this is not changing, and this will change is very different than being told 
what to give up or how to give it up, which you don't have to do if you don't want to. Like, and this is my next point is like your doctor should not be telling you to give things up or give up a lifestyle or change your entire eating habits because you're diabetic. You really don't have to do that. If you're drinking soda every day, you probably shouldn't be doing that. But besides that, like you have your lifestyle the way that it is and you just have to add some stuff to it. Taking insulin, covering your carbs and making sure your blood sugars are good. Those are the three basics of what diabetes is and how you handle it. So if your doctor is telling you to completely change everything, could be time to look for a new doctor because I mean, they're going to tell you like you shouldn't drink soda and you really shouldn't and stuff like that, but you shouldn't be hindering your mental health or like so stressed out about doing all of this stuff all at once that it's causing more harm than it is actually solving your diabetes or, or helping your diabetes more so. But also if uh, your current doctor is not doing anything right and you need to switch to a new doctor and that new doctor is like, let's just use you as the guinea pig and change all of your settings at once to see what happens. Go for it. (laughs) My numbers were instantly better like the months after I switched to Becky. It was great. Oh, yeah. No, if somebody tells you to change everything from a bad doctor to a new doctor, definitely do it. Just jump off the cliff. Just try it. Like, wee! (laughs) Okay, our fourth issue that we're talking about is confusion around food and exercise. Now, how to handle it. I think the worst advice that a doctor can give you is that you can eat anything as long as you give insulin for it. And the reason why is because that kind of mindset encourages really poor diet And it does nothing to help you identify which foods actually work best in your body with your diabetes. No two type 1 diabetics are the same. The way of eating that worked best for me three years ago doesn't work the best for me today. And neither of those options may be the best way of eating for you right now, especially if you're still in the honeymoon phase. Also, be willing to experiment, both with food and exercise, and keep track of what you do and what the results are. I honestly can't count the number of times that I've gone back to look at records to see what I did or what I ate on certain days or when I was in a successful period of weight loss, what was I doing, things like that. For any hikers out there, Jason Robinson from The Nomad Experiment, who you heard in last week's episode 195, you can snag his hiking journal on Amazon, and the link to that is in the show notes. With experimenting, you want to start out with one thing at a time, and this is when you experiment with foods, with dosages, exercise routines, anything like that, always keeping in contact with your doctor. But when you experiment, you want to change one variable at a time so that you're not confused about which change you made actually makes the difference. And the way to do that is to keep track of everything. You can also ask for help from other type 1 diabetics who have gone through this process before you. And you can find those people through listening to past guest episodes on this podcast. You can find them on TikTok, on Instagram, in massive Facebook groups. There is an endless source of people that you can talk to who have gone before you and have had success with what you are trying to do. So counting carbs is probably one of the easiest things you're going to learn how to do with diabetes. And then managing how your body reacts is probably going to be one of the hardest. So doing the actual work to count carbs, to put in insulin, it's not going to be hard or it might be hard in the beginning, but it definitely gets easier. But the after effects are going to be the hardest part because that's something that you will never be able to control. 
and that's okay. So just knowing that even though you could do your best one day and you could eat the exact same stuff another, literally having two completely different results, it's not your fault and you shouldn't blame yourself. So, And then figuring out how different types of exercise react with your body is huge. Most diabetics, when they're lifting weights, will go high. And when they're running, they'll go low. So... And if you also want more advice on exercising with diabetes and how to get into the gym, episode 194 is also a good resource on this. Can confirm. I do go high when I weightlift and oh. I do go low when I run. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Our fifth issue is a lack of community, especially a local community, and no direction or very little direction on how to plug into one. Now, I think that Facebook is where most people start. My only word of caution for Facebook is that a lot of the Facebook groups out there, especially for diabetics, whether type 1 or type 2, are pretty negative. So my recommendation is to join a bunch just by searching in the group search bar for type 1 diabetes or diabetes. Join a bunch of those, engage in them, and then leave the ones that don't feel right. That's really the process that you're going to go through with any group that you join. So just know that it is a process, and while you might find a good group the first time, it's highly likely that you'll just end up with a bunch of duds and have to keep looking, but don't get discouraged over that. We also have the Hafted Pancreas Club, which is our free Discord server, and that is open to anybody who would like to join. And I believe you can find the link to that in both the show notes and in the description. So check that out. For local communities, see if there's a diabetes camp in your state. You can find that just by going to Google and searching for like type 1 diabetes camp in my state. That's literally how I found the one that's here in Montana is I just searched for type 1 diabetes camp in Montana and I found the Montana Youth Diabetes Association, which runs the camp up at Flathead Lake. And if you do find a camp in your state, reach out to the the camp director to plug in. And you can do this even if you're an adult. If you want to volunteer at a kid's camp, that is a great opportunity to do that. But if you want to search for an adult camp, then... Connected in Motion runs a bunch of what they call slipstreams, and these are adult type 1 diabetes camp. I will be going to the one in August. So if anybody wants to actually meet me in person, then sign up for the Connected in Motion August slipstream. I will be there. But that's a great way to connect to other people who have type 1, getting connected to local communities with type 1. Another local tip is to join Facebook groups that are specific to your area and also next door. That's a great resource as well, because those are more those are social networks that are geared toward where you are locally. And then once you're in those groups, you can ask if anybody else has type 1 diabetes. And if you do, they will probably come out of the woodwork because they are out there. I've done this a couple of times in both local Missoula groups and in Nextdoor. And I'm like, hey, who are the other type 1s? And they're like, hey, I'm type 1 and me. So you can always try to find the local group that way. Another local tip is kind of ambitious but you can put your put together your own type 1 diabetes meetup. And there are multiple ways of doing that. There are instructions on how to set up meetup groups. There are so many different ways to do in-person events, but you could totally set up your own in-person local meetup with other type 1s and see who shows up. And if you can't do it locally, virtual meetups, also a great option as well. COVID wasn't great, but it did come up with virtual ideas on how to meet people. Asking your doctor if they have any resources. That's how I got to Diabetic Panther Camp was through my doctor at the time, Dr. Thompson. Love her. 
she told my parents about it. And then a year after I was diagnosed, I got signed up for the next camp. So definitely doing stuff like that. And then subscribe to our podcast. Clearly, Colleen and I are very relatable in our real world diabetes lives. So definitely like reaching out to us, reaching out to other podcasts, subscribing, listening, just knowing that like other people also have diabetes and you're not alone is huge. All right. Our sixth and final issue that we're going to cover here and not the last issue that you'll face with type 1 diabetes by far is understanding and figuring out insurance and also navigating how to get access to supplies. I think one of the biggest things you can do with this problem is self-advocacy, standing up for yourself, being clear and insistent about what you need and about what you want is often the best way to get what you need because the squeaky wheel gets the grease. And if you are the squeaky wheel in the insurance machine, then they will pay attention to you. It can be frustrating and it can be long, but it does often pay off if it gets you what you need to to live, basically is what it comes down to. You'll want to stay in close contact with the prescribing doctor's office for whatever supplies or medications that you're getting, just so you can understand or know when things go wrong. So if like you need an insurance or um, if you need an insulin prescription, you want to be talking with your prescribing doctor to know, did they send the prescription in? When did they send it in? How many refills did you get? When does it expire? Things like that. So that when you go to pick up the medication, you know how much is left, you know how much it costs, all those kinds of things. Also, don't be afraid to ask for what you need or what you want from the doctor's office. And this is especially regarding insulin pumps and CGMs. Some doctor's offices will insist that you go on Medtronic. And if the doctor is insisting that you go on Medtronic, it is probably because that doctor has a financial relationship with Medtronic. Not necessarily because Medtronic is the best one out there, but because Medtronic has paid that doctor's office to push the insulin pump. And there's nothing wrong with that. Just know going into it that if you want to try all the three major insulin pumps out there, you will probably have to insist upon it multiple times before your doctor agrees. And you can always do trial pumps. Those, um, like they make trials for a reason for pumps like that. So you can get a, a taste of what you want, whether it's the Medtronic pump or the Tandem pump or the Omnipod. And all of them integrate with sensors now, which is awesome. So just be insistent about what you want and what you want to try. Another thing is if you work for a company with private insurance to work with your company's HR department and the benefits team to get what you need or understand what is available to you. If you're diagnosed when you already have insurance with a company, then you'll want to get the documentation on what kind of uh, coverage you have, especially for things like durable medical equipment and the tier levels of the drugs that you have to, to be prescribed. For my company in particular, they do not cover Novolog, which is unfortunate because I can't take Hemolog. But I had to go through an extensive conversation with the HR department and the benefits team to find out that they were not going to cover Novolog. And that led to, this, led to the decision to get my Novolog through Canadian Insulin instead. So always be talking with the people who can help you. And that just goes right into the next one is asking for help. Whether it's asking your care team for help, your community for help, reaching out to us, because we can always help you find the information or point you in the right direction if we can't answer your questions directly. Just don't be afraid to ask for help. I will say Medtronic, not a bad pump. 
I'm personally on it and the CGM. They work amazing. They work great. It's closed loop. I really, really love it. I just want to put that out there just to not bash on them too much. <laughs> oh no, like, the Medtronic pumps were like, they're yeah. awesome. They were the yeah. hardiest things ever because <laughs> I was so on them most of my life. Now right. I just like the, the tandem because that edit rates with Sexcom. Oh yeah. No, I totally get it. But also there is a flip side to insurance. Usually I freak out for a week and call them and went with in five to 10 minutes, most of my problems are usually solved with insurance. You do have some outliers where it takes like an hour or two and that really sucks. You end up crying after, but 90% of the time, your problem will be solved within five minutes and your question will be answered and you do not have to panic as much as I do. So just keeping that in mind, insurances most of the time are there to try and help you and not hinder. So just keeping that into consideration that maybe your problem isn't as big as it seems in the moment and they probably have seen it and can help you or point you in the right direction to a lot of different things. And pro tip for any call you make to whether it's insurance or a third-party supplier or whoever is to keep notes. So make like a document for yourself is for all of the interactions that you have so that you can bring up past issues if you have to call back multiple times to talk about the same problem. All right, no matter what you're dealing with right now as a newly diagnosed type 1 diabetic, or even if you're within your first year or so, know that you're not alone. The type 1 diabetes community is really strong and always happy to help or happy to answer questions. While type 1 is a lifelong condition, it does not have to dictate how you live the rest of your life. And now it's your turn. How can you be the change? If you are newly diagnosed, what problems would you like to see changed and where can we help you find them? Let us know or even take action yourself. Let your doctors know. Tell the people who are clearly not who might not be listening what the problems are and tell them to fix it. Be the change you want to see. And that will apply to both your local politician's office and your doctor's office. Remember, you control your diabetes. It doesn't control you. Hey, if you like what you're listening to on this podcast, you have to join us in the Half Dead Pancreas Club. It's my private community where you'll connect face-to-face with other people with type 1 diabetes, get personalized emotional support, and learn how to handle anything T1D throws at you. Join us over at inspiredforward.com community. I can't wait to see you there.